0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings, Pete, on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as Jep at the ET. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? Uh, The Eagles got the better of the Magpies last week. What were your thoughts out of
1: that game? Andrew Gaff, all right for us? Yeah, it was a good fantasy game. Uh, Lots of high fantasy points. Good game to watch. Yeah, uh, the the primo players and, and the guys like Crisp that we know has the potential to score really high, did really well, and I think the type of game in Optus Stadium really is a fantasy football ground, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty solid. When, once Gaff,
0: as we mentioned before, gets going out on that surface where he gets plenty of space, that he can rack him up pretty easily. Uh, MegPod's got a little bit stiff with Howe and Degowie injuries. I thought they were actually pretty good uh, last week, so a bit unfortunate from the injury point of view. But anyway, we move on Okay, let's get into the podcast. As always, if you retweet any podcast link out, uh, you go into the running to score a plus six podcast cap. Uh, The next giveaway will be around about that mid-season. AFL Ratings Twitter accounts, uh, jump on, and plenty of content there flying out each day. Or I ask in return for the content, uh, likes and retweets. And additionally, there'll be some injury news go up on aflratings.com.au tomorrow, so just keep an eye out for that and plenty of fantasy analysis to come with that as well. Remember, this podcast, Jeppo and I, is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. Uh, we are recording on Tuesday night, April 20. Make necessary adjustments, as always, when news comes to hand, and there has been plenty of news about, that's for sure. Okay, general questions, Jep. Let's go. What are your thoughts on five rounds into the AFL Fantasy season?
1: Well, I think what's been a real notable point is we've had more injuries than ever before. It might just be me, and the new concussion rules are playing a part, and it's really creating carnage with forced trades in fantasy. I think, um, you know, we've all had to have a forced trade along the line five rounds in. So making sure we've got depth and, and these rolling lockouts, too, is the other thing. It's, it's really tough to. To manage your trades and, and manage your side, so making sure you got that team depth is just so important. You yeah, said in
0: the solo podcast yesterday, uh, team scoring's gone down—not fantasy team scoring, but just general scoring's gone down the last couple of weeks. Once we get into the deep diver winter, I think contested positions are going to come back in, and I think those inside contested midfielders will play a big part in the remainder of the AFL fantasy season. Okay, on to the next one. Where should coaches be at right now? Is it upgrades or managing bench cover? Okay, individually, everyone has a different scenario, but where do you think most people are at right now?
1: I think most people are doing their upgrades. I think managing bench cover was last week's issue, um, and this week is all about the upgrades. Yeah, for me personally, actually, I'm
0: into upgrade mode now, so uh, I, I actually... Did invest into some extra bench cover last week, which came through quite nicely, and I did invest into extra bench cover to start the season. Uh, so that's why I did pay down at uh, pretty much both ruck places. So what I can see, and I did, we'll get onto this shortly, um, did have a bit of a scan through a lot of top ranked teams today, and bench cover is an issue for a high majority. So we'll get down to that in a f- few minutes. But I think the time is to now is to start to focus on upgrades and really narrow your focus on premium-type players. Your final thoughts on that, Chip?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. You, um, Cash generation is, is probably number one at this point of the season. Um, we, It doesn't look like there's that abundance of rookies coming through and, and quality rookies, you know. We can have a debutant or two, like a Will Martin or a Mansell, or, a, you know, it might be a Collier Dawkins this week. But if they're not going to score and, and have the job security, what's the point? So we need the quality rooks coming through yep. um, to earn us the cash. If not, you know, Lockie Jones, he had a poor game last week, but still looks the goods and in, in just making sure that um, Farrar and these other rooks that look like they've got the role and the scoring potential, you just lock them away without a second thought because when they come in, these quality rookies, we just got to pounce. Yeah, it's time to settle
0: down and focus in on the the uh, downgrade upgrade um, and again yep. into those premium-type players. Uh, it's enough looking at those mid-prices for a few weeks. With an upside for me, at least, I think that is good advice. Okay,
1: on to the next one. By planning, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, starting to look at it now per line, um, managing between the bench cover and obviously we have still got three trades in, the, in during the buy round, so it's it's manageable. But yeah, starting to pen it down on on Excel and and look at it. Um, I've got the uh, Gorn Grundy set up in the ruck, so they're both round fourteen, so we've got to be mindful in other spots.
0: Yeah. Uh, time to crack open a spreadsheet for those that haven't done already Um, since the start of the season I really haven't paid attention, obviously you start to focus in on premium rooks that can score well and have uh, good job security as you have mentioned Uh, so it's time for me to refocus on that uh, for the upcoming buy period and again just looking at some highly ranked teams Uh, the majority that I have said uh, do have bench cover issues I i I've got to imagine over that bye period Jeb, uh, there's going to be yeah. a major shift in rank if you can absolutely nail it. Your, your thoughts there?
1: Spot on, hundred percent, and and we really need to emphasize that to the listeners that you know we can have our Harrison Jones at F eight, but when he, we when we rely on him if he's still there in the bye rounds it's not going to give us much more versus you know another coach that's probably got a Bergman or say or some with a lot. Better scoring potential. So, um, yeah, getting rid of the um, the duds and um, really making sure we nail these rooks and, and keeping an eye on what rooks, sorry, are coming through. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to that.
0: Uh, weeks leading up to the buy rounds this year, Jeppa will go through. Jeppa and I will go through some some strategies and some points of difference that can hopefully improve your rank. So that's something we we will hit on this year. Okay. Back to Friday to Sunday time slots. Now the big issue for us in the fantasy community is that this year, as we've seen the midway point of last year, the team announcements are now the night before. So narrowing that focus into a Friday to Sunday time slot starts to help out fantasy coaches. So that's an advantage for us just a little bit for a few weeks until we get to the bye weeks again. Uh, but what is your trade strategy planning? Uh, between now and until we get to the buy period yet.
1: Oh, it's as many downgrade upgrades as I can do in in, a, in one round. So I um I think I've said this before. if Notes from previous years is is remain disciplined with your trades, and if you can't downgrade upgrade, then double downgrade pending quality rooks available. So yeah, to me, I'm just looking downgrade upgrade. Look at the um the discounted premiums early during these weeks and then you know work up to the uber primos down the track two things here Jet. i'm going to hit on one key word that you mentioned there it's discipline
0: like i've been in this scenario uh last few years where i've started off highly ranked and uh, just just that one ill disciplined move can really really set you back so having really good discipline through this period where you think oh i can hit on this guy that can score well and then by the time you get into round 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, he's still on your team, you can't get him out because you've got other focuses Absolutely. that you're looking at.
1: So, uh, Just to just- give you an example with that, with me last week, I could have brought in Tom Mitchell last mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. Um, but it meant I couldn't get Lockie Jones. And yeah, sure, Lockie Jones scored 38, but he's still a quality rook with a high ceiling and, a, and pretty good um, job security. So... I couldn't pass on Lockie Jones. He was actually way more important than Tom Mitchell. So remaining disciplined with the cash generation that was, was important, even though I could jump on the the, the pig in teach himself.
0: All right. I'm going to add a couple more layers to this discussion right here, Jep. So it's FOMO. It's fear of missing out. It, yeah. it's, it, and it's fear of dropping back in rank. I mean, yeah. l- like, it, it's actually a real thing, man. So... You know, if you're highly ranked at the start of the year, it it doesn't matter if you drop back a few hundred spots or even a thousand spots right now. But because at the back end of the season, the points you're losing there can be made up in in you know two or three players um, better that you got in your team versus yeah. someone else. So FOMO is real. Going back in rank is not necessarily a bad thing. But you know, I, I, I suspect the highly ranked coaches will go through this again this year. Is that you know that they'll all um, run on petrol fumes on that bench and you know you see it every year, i look at the highly ranked teams and look at their benches and go oh my god but you know, uh, most of them still get through to the end in good shape so it'd be interesting to see how we go uh, in this year and don't forget this year we've got reduced list sizes as well so that's, that's one thing that's not really discussed is that you've got less rookies I know I do, I do post out uh, the amount of debuts that we have each year and I'll just jump onto my Twitter thread that I did post today. Is it uh, 2021 debuts? This is playing only, so the kind of downy scenario where he didn't play in round one. This is not included. Uh, so far, we are 41 debuts for the season, right? In 2019, uh, 23 rounds. So I'm not including last year. Last year's actually just throw it, throw it in the bin. So there were 77. In 2018, 23 rounds again, there were 95. So if we sit, hit somewhere in the middle of that, You know, you could go into the mid 80s, but you need to factor in we are on reduced list sizes. So I'd probably wind, I'll probably use 77 as my baseline and just bring it in a little bit. So that'd be about, I might go at about 70 rooks for the season. Uh, Maybe we hit, do hit the 77, uh, maybe even more, but I reckon about 70. So so far this year we've had 41. So there's not many rooks to go. So to hit on these premium rookies now and at the back end of the season to make up those points, I that's think it's right. highly, highly viable. So your thoughts on FOMO, Chip?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's funny you say that because a good friend of mine was ranked, oh, I'd say about 19th two weeks ago, and he's made the decision to to bank for the for the latter rounds, as you said. Good so decision, yeah. it's um you know it's it's natural perceived pressure. You wanna you wanna keep your rank and, and keep on the the top of the roller coaster so to speak but um, it's a long game it's a marathon you know i I see amongst social media and fantasy communities that people love talking themselves up and yet congratulations you're in the top 100 whatever let's see where you are in a month or after the buy rounds and let's see how you plan and 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 go forward so we everyone's cop their injuries, like I said before. Anything can happen in this game. It's being prepared for any any scenario. And I know you, of all people, Pete, are always prepared for any scenario. Um, where I like taking a few more risks, but yeah, let's um, let's remain disciplined with the trades and um, see the quality rooks where there are. Make the make the upgrades, cash in on the discounted premiums now while we can and um and then bring in the guns later okay I'm going to throw a spanner
0: into the works into this discussion so I've just uh, given you some data on what we've seen from rookie debuts this year and what we've seen in two thousand nine and 2018 what about spanner in the works we see limited rookies and this is premiums drop in the next few weeks how do you think you would approach that Jeff?
1: Limited rookies coming in.
0: Yeah, so just say into the get, twenty-two. So, so yeah. just say we get six rookies over the next, you know, three yeah. weeks.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> to generate cash is is an issue. So so uh, again, I I maintain what I said before. If I can't downgrade upgrade, then I double downgrade. But if my pickings of six rooks is and the quality of those players aren't great, mm. let's, let's take a Connor Downey because we're expecting him to come through, but he's 200 grand, so he's, he's already a little bit inflated. So I would cash in on a Connor Downey, but it's it's just hopes and dreams about job security with Connor. Um, there's there's no real... Um, we know he will gut run and, and, and get a bit of the ball, but it's it's really hopes and dreams with the job security. So you run the risk come by rounds that he still be there, and it's more likely not than, than it is. So... I think I just take it in a case-by-case scenario. I don't like trading... I know where you're probably going with this. I don't like trading premiums for discounted premiums. Um, I try to avoid that. That's later in, after the buy rounds and later in the season. But, yeah, I think it's just looking at each rook as they come on a case-by-case scenario and just remaining disciplined. Um, it's It's going to be interesting. And it's going to really, this, I think it's going to create a gap in those top-ranked coaches. Maybe not so much now, but in the next few weeks. I think we'll see a little bit, like the peloton will sort of come away a bit. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, sort of leaning towards that, do
0: to, we to um, offload a high-priced premium? So somebody that might have tapped out into, you know, early 900s. But if they're hitting early 900s, they're actually just smashing out each week, and that's a captain option there as well, so that you you can actually really which yeah. can to hurt as well. So not too much in favour of that, but yeah, it'll be interesting to, to go through that uh, scenario. I did start with a non-playing rook, so I did start behind the eight ball with regards to the bench cover. But again, I, as I mentioned earlier, I did invest heavily in the bench to start the season, uh, so. I think I'm pretty safe so to go through the next few weeks uh, with limited rookies I'd be actually quite happy if that was the case but yeah if that starts to hit um, what, what do people do so they'll be interested to see how that plays out the next over the next few weeks. All right let's finally move on for that topic. Uh, just some current assessments here so uh, a couple of uh, tweets I sent out today in my Twitter account um, looked at the top 20 round one ruck ownership So it was just a look back to see where those top ranked coaches uh what they started with at the ruck position so it's not what they have now it's what they started with with in round one and this was r1 and r2 um so matt flynn um 75% of coaches ranked in the top 20 started with him so that was pretty much a, a Flynn and someone else that was pretty much what people started with if you're highly ranked now uh, and then we split Gorn and Grundy was 50% each so it was pretty much a, a scenario where most people started with uh, a Gorn and Flynn or Grundy and Flynn which was interesting because Grundy, uh, sorry Gorn was the more expensive one so yeah, yeah so um we most people did say there was potential for a price dip, but you know what? Fifty percent of him in the top twenty there did start with him. Uh, the one which was unfortunate for many, and I th- I did have him in for a majority of my preseason, was Jared Wits. So I didn't end up starting with him, but I thought he was absolutely almost a smash play. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did not start with him and desperately unlucky for those who did start with weeks mm. that he got injured because he was going to make a serious amount of cash. And not only that, he was pumping out some decent scores and at that period of time, Gorn and Grundy were, um, did start the season a little bit slow but they're on fire right now. And the other one there was Paul Hunter was 5% and that, um, that coach who had Paul Hunter... Uh, Which was interesting uh, that in top 20, Uh, he started with Paul Hunter in round one and had Matt Flynn on the bench. So there was a a bit of a difference of about 50 points right there. So everyone has those stories. So the most popular starting ruck combos at round one um, again, again it was the Gorn and uh, it was the Flynn and someone else. So uh, it was Gorn and Flynn at 35%, it was Grundy and Flynn at 30%, it was Gorn and Grundy at 10%, so interesting that the high price Ruck duo that most people will have at the end of the season was only 10% started. And this is the current top 20 now, Uh, not necessarily going to be the top 20 at the end of the season. Once we do hit the end of the year, I'll go back and and always have a look at that because uh, I think that's really interesting data to have a look at to see what people were thinking and where they eventually ended up as highly ranked teams. And the other one there was Grundy and Witts, which I thought that was actually a pretty good combination because, again, the Witts factor. And then the one that I actually love the most here, and again, desperately lucky, was the Flynn-Witts uh, scenario. And the other one there was obviously Gorn and Hunter. So your thoughts on those, Jep? So let's go individually the Ruck and then the combination. Your thoughts.
1: Yeah, look, I think Gorn's early draw is why 50% of coaches had him in the top 20. But um, it's to me, what I see there is is the amount of combinations. You know, there's six combinations of, ruck combinations, sorry, that the top 20 coaches have had. So a lot of variance, and that's what I love, variance in fantasy. And, you know, I agree. I think the Grundy Wits in the first few rounds was, was the winning, until Wits got injured, was the winning combo. No yeah. doubt about it, yeah. um, and the winning combo till the buy rounds, pretty much, because that's when you could have flicked which to Gorn or whatever you could have done at a time. So, yeah, look, it's um it's an interesting one, but I'm glad there's variance because it means coaches are getting to the top rank in, in a numerous number of ways. And uh, yeah, the you know the combo that had Gorn and Grundy to start, you know, cashed up set and forget in the rucks, they would have probably cashed in. Well, not probably. They would have cashed in on pretty much all the mid-prices that they had. And I guarantee a few of them got Zeebel, Hind, you know, the successful mid-prices that have done really well. Because what we found is a lot of these mid-prices, what kills you is the inconsistency of scores. Because they're meant to score the points and generate cash, not score 100 one week and then 57 the next. So... Um, Yeah, there's only three or four mid prices that I really feel have been a success story, Um, and that's where I sort of traded down in in the last couple of weeks to more rooks. Um, For that reason, I I, um, I'm not trusting too many of these mid prices anymore. So that was one of my theories to
0: start the season: was that you know are we going into this season where you know half that draft pool last year. Uh, did not play football whatsoever. Yeah. So my my thinking behind that was, you know, how many games are these guys are going to actually play. Now we've seen like the guys like um, Sam Berry come in, play Archie Perkins to start to do okay. So these players are coming in now. But my theory was uh, how many games are we going to get out of them? So therefore, what I did want is to remove one to two rookies off the field and rely on them, and to spend into that mid price range. So I think I sure. so I think I started for around about four mid prices, and um, from my point of view, I've hit on three of them. So I think that's a pretty good strike rate. Um, yeah. So very good. That, that was my theory there, and so what I did there. Is and you know I pay down with ruck. I paid that further down than what uh, the wits and Flynn combo was. Was I went all the way down to Nan Curvis, who's actually starting to put up some decent numbers now, but it, uh, yeah, a rough start to the season for him. So my theory to go pay way down at the ruck, and I didn't really want to go into that Hunter and Flynn scenario because. We we both said it on the podcast. We ranked uh, job security out, and and as of last week, they all they all well Hunter did come in as late uh, um, inclusion, but you know they're all out of the team pretty much, yeah. So yeah. I didn't really want to go all the way down, but uh, yeah, I, what I did want to do was put as much solid uh, players onto the ground uh, for for potentially a lack of rookies and for potentially um, inconsistent scoring from rookies and. You know, again, half the draft pool from last year didn't play footy. Your thoughts on that? Joe?
1: Yeah, exactly. yeah, completely agree, and I have the same theory. Um, but as I've seen the quality rooks come through, namely Chapman, Jones, and McCrae in recent weeks, it's um, it's maybe changed, made me change the tune a little bit, um, and and banking on because and if. You know, who knows if I'm right or wrong, but I can't see too many quality rooks coming in the next mm-hmm. two, three weeks. What's so le- What's left. Exactly. What's left, if any. And, you know, we might not even get a debutant this week. We hopefully will, but we might not. Um, we, we probably have one. We could potentially have two debutants in a month. That's the way I see it at this point of the season. So, um, you know, a lot of these rooks that get rest, you know, touted that, Berry's going to get a rest and Campbell's going to get a rest. Whatever happens, it's I still think Campbell and Barry are in the best 22 of their, t- of their team, so it's only a short-term problem. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean we offload them. I think um, those looking to trade out Campbell, you can because he's he's you know he's almost topped out. But would you trade a Brockman ahead of the Campbell just to have Campbell sit there a week, come in the round after? And he he keep going with a fresher rook that's solidified his spot in Sydney's best 22. So that's food for thought for coaches too. Mm, Interesting. Okay, on to the next topic. So
0: we're going to talk about the top 20 uh, bench cover. So I went through the top 20, had a look at the bench. I did look at the quality, which I think uh, a couple of coaches in that top 20 have really good bench cover. So it would be interesting to see how they rank for the remainder of this season but I went through to see how many players they had on their bench that played in round five and here are the numbers so uh, just one was no one uh, uh, two players five uh, percent of coaches so just one of the coach there just had that uh, three players uh, that was a 20 percent four players was the highest rank there was at 40 percent and five players uh, pretty solid at 30%, and just the one coach there at 5%, had six bench playing looks in round five. So bench cover looks okay, but for me, I was looking at the quality, and uh, a few coaches would be in a little bit of trouble with cash generation, but there are one or two premium teams in that top 20 jet that have really good bench cover and are going to generate yeah. a lot of cash. So what that means is that you need really need to start to look at this. And again, Eric, who does the top 100 um, ownership numbers, you really need to look at those teams that uh, you think are going to um, be highly ranked for the last remainder of the season, and you pretty much need to go opposite what they're trading in and who the players they have in their team. Your thoughts, Jep?
1: Yeah, and that's absolutely to climb, climb rank, and, um, yeah, we know that. But coming back to the rookie bench cover, like, yeah, it's it's for the buy rounds, really, where it's most important. Um, you've got to put your pre to the bench and rely on the rooks to play on the ground for a week or two. So, yeah, you know, a lot of them have four or five playing uh, rooks at the moment um, six is, is obviously only one coach so it's okay the the quality of most of our uh, bench cover rooks aren't great quality no disrespect to Anthony Scott or Brockman or you know those who held Hunter like myself got lucky when he played on Thursday night so lucky. Um, very lucky and that like you take what he earned this week and was probably about 40 grand 40 odd grand so yeah, it's, um, I'm looking at trading out, like I said before. It's, if I can make it work and I can trade out a Brockman instead of a Braden Campbell, then I'm trading out Brockman um, because I just feel like job security trumps all and I'm, it's full of the buy rounds um, where it's going to be very important.
0: Okay, on to the next topics for us, Jep. Uh, so the break-evens to target... So only six players currently have a negative break even. So I'll just run through them all quickly. We'll have a little bit of discussion on each. So that's Matt Flynn at minus 10. Miles Bergman at minus 8. Jordan Sweet minus 8. Jai Farrar at minus 3. Uh, Barry McCreary minus 2. And Devin Robertson minus 1. So let's start off with Matt Flynn. Again minus 10. Leon Cameron said uh, he is a huge chance to play this week. But he did add Kieran Briggs into that conversation. So uh, we'll see how that... And that game is the first off this Friday night into round six. So we'll see how that plays out. So what are your thoughts on Matt Flynn to approach for the short term and long term?
1: Yeah, I think Flynn plays. I think it's pretty pretty straightforward. Um, Mumford needs a rest. But, you know, Flynn... Ideally, we, coaches have Flynn at R3. It's not enough. He can't be on field anymore. As much as his scoring potential is is very good, he's going to be in now that the team now. So the Mumford experiment worked for GWS. Two Mumford games this season and two wins for the GWS. So yeah, Flynn comes against probably Stephen Martin comes back in for the Dogs and um, Tim English. So again, it's not an easy job for the for the youngish ruckman. And um, I, you know I expect. Uh, the Bulldogs to to dominate from the centre as usual. So it, yeah, it's Flynn has to be at R three for all coaches.
0: Listening to Phil Davis on his podcast today, um, he did reference how good Shane Mumford was on the weekend. And I'll just add one extra. Um, if it wasn't for Shane Mumford in that situation to win the game, the tap to Josh Kelly. Um, they're not winning. You know, if Mumford's not there, not, they're not winning that game. Because does Flynn know um, and have experience to do what um, Mumford and Kelly did to win that game for GWS? So, yeah, uh, we sit here again 12 months on after the Sam Jacobs uh, failed scenario for fantasy coaches. And we're at the same situation as Matt Flynn. And we, both you and I pretty much said that in the preseason is that, you know, that Leon Cameron did have a short leash last year. And he's unpredictable when it comes to uh, rooks and, and especially the rock situation. So, uh, Braden Proust is a few weeks away still, so uh, yeah, it's a volatile situation. Okay, onto Moles Bergman. Uh, injuries did help his situation. He came back into the team, he did turn over a little bit, but he still should be solid in that Port Adelaide team. Um, and the one thing that we did see a couple of years ago with Ken Hinckley is that he did trust his young players to, to, to get with it and, and just play them. So, again, did turn it over. Um, again, covered for injuries. Uh, a couple of extra pieces of information here. Excuse me. It's uh, Sam Powell pepper is on the radar to return. And Tom Rockliffe is in that scenario again. Now, the extra layer here is that Dan Houston hurt his shoulder last week. So does Ken Hinckley want to put Dan Houston, if he plays this week, into a contested midfield situation? I don't think so. I think he would rather him have his elite foot skills and be that intercepting type player and pretty much play a loose type role. So, you know, and if he goes back into defense, the reason Houston went into that midfield in, to start with was to give Lockie Jones a game and a half back. So if Houston goes back to defence and he doesn't, Ken Hinkley doesn't want to play Houston with his shoulder inside midfield and he brings Sam Powell Pepper in or Tom Rockleaf in, uh, that could spell some trouble for Miles Bergen. And, yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Jip?
1: Spot on, mate. You are, you've nailed it. I, I don't think Bergen plays this week um, for that reason. Exactly as you said, Houston's not going to play in the middle. He'll play a bit more outside. Um, you got Hartlett floating around in, in a couple of utility spots as well. You got Lockie Jones in the team, which he's ahead of Bergman in my opinion for the hardness that he brings in in defensive fifty. So, yeah, Bergman's on the outer, um, and Rocky's going to come in as well, I would think.
0: So, so have, yeah. the other thing is they've Stan Houston doesn't play, so uh, that that might be a chance for Bergman yeah. to hold on, but yeah, for
1: one week. Well, one week, yeah. So until he does come back in.
0: But again, I go back a couple of years ago. There's a, a Ken Hingley did cha- uh, trust his uh, rookies and, and young draftees and just played them. So hopefully he gets into that situation where he goes, you know what? You know w- we want to be playing good footy and have really good depth towards the end of the year because we're challenging for a premiership. Uh, let's give Miles Burden a good run. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, there's a few layers to that. Then he's the Miles Bergman scenario. Yeah.
1: So just keep in mind that's a Sunday game this week. Um, yeah. So for, for team selection.
0: Yes, yeah, specifically um, one of the assistant coaches, I think I picked it up somewhere, is that they did reference that, you know, Houston went into the midfield to give Lockie Jones a game, so it might have been even Ken Hinkley himself. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out, and yeah, um, I think Houston is going out of that midfield because of his shoulder. And The next one, Jordan Sweet came in. He was actually quite solid on the weekend, minus eight break even, but Steph Martin had a rest. Uh, I think Steph Martin comes back in. Um, what are your thoughts on Jordan
1: Sweet? Yeah, look good, looked competitive, um, but against the competition that he had, not none were uh, genuine ruckwins. So he was expected to score well. He played well. He comes out of the team um, and is. But what I what I feel is a positive is, um, uh, Beveridge has finally acknowledged that he needs two ruckling. Um He could have easily just played Tim England, given Steph Martin a rest, and and played. Tim English is sole rock, but he didn't. No. He stuck to the structure, so that's their structure going forward. So, in future, when um, we need a Flynn downgrade, you know, if Jordan, Jordan Sweet would probably play maybe four ish more games for the year, hopefully, when Steph Martin gets more rests.
0: Um, you would think that's a catch, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he's looked to a downgrade too,
0: um, for sure. So the next one, Jai Farrar, it was actually pretty good on the weekend for Gold Coast. And it's got a minus three break even. Uh, did spend a stack of time in defence. And uh, the thing with Marvel Stadium is that uh, it's in Intercept uh, Defenders Heaven. Um, there are a lot of chip marks there. The other one I'll add there is that the Gold Coast Suns were smashed. So there was a, a heavy amount of traffic heading into the Gold Coast Defensive 50. So... Uh, that put Ferrar in a good position to score well. Um, what happens uh, on the Gold Coast when you hit slippery dewy conditions at, in, in night games? Um, you know, who, who knows? And, yeah, so I'm not too bullish on for our long-term, but it might be a good one to hit on, especially with a negative uh, three break. even. what are your thoughts there, Jeff?
1: Yeah, this is the pressure, isn't it, of trying to cash in on these quality rooks? I think... He, he played pretty well and proved that he can take a grab inside 50 he can get a bit of the ball but like you said the, the amount of ball that was going into the um, sun's defensive 50 was unfathomable so he had a lot of it I think yeah he, he won't score as well um, from here this point onwards but he's still a rook to, to bring in as Probably a stretch for F6, but if you can start him on your bench, that's preferred. Um, Swan's key forwards, obviously Franklin's out, so he probably gets a softer matchup with Logan McDonald if Logan McDonald plays, which will aid him.
0: Yeah, it's just yeah, it's probably seen a lot tra- a lot of traffic uh, that inflated his score, but we'll see how that plays out. It might be one a good one to hit out, but um, that's not a target for me. He's not a target for me. Okay, on to Bro McCreary. Um, We said last week that he was solid in that team. He's got a minus two break even. Uh, It's still okay to bring in, but I think if you don't have like a McCreary type or Jones type, you target them over him. Um, What are your thoughts on him, Chip?
1: Yeah, look, I really like McCreary. Saw him in the flesh um, Friday night, and yeah, he's a goer. He's he's the energy player that Collingwood need. Um, And I actually... Would like to see him a couple of centre bounces. I don't know what his skill set is, but just his energy and you know his ferocity, his is, as contested player at the ball in those centre bounces is what Collingwood needs. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see him in those centre bounces a bit. So yeah, look, he he's he, again he's bench cover. It's a stretch. He he's, he I think he kicked one or two goals on the weekend and still only scored 60s. So. He's not um, he's not ideal for on field. Yeah, he's not a really a high ceiling
0: player in that role that he is in currently. But yeah, if you want someone to chug along at about 50, 55, 60 points per game, uh, he's your man. Okay, uh, the last one there, uh, Devin Robertson uh, was omitted last week, and we did see Jared Berry go out with an adductor injury. He was subbed out of the game last week. Uh, Devin Robinson has a minus one break even. Well, the question that people who own him and there's a high majority, uh, does he come in this week, Jeb? And for those that don't have him, are we still targeting him at minus one?
1: Uh, Yeah, he comes in for Barry. I think. Uh, Obviously, it was a replica of uh, two, three weeks ago. So um, he'll come in, hopefully gets that midfield role because he did have a role change in his second game where he played more half forward and outside mid, and in his first game he had a bit more inside mid um, by play, and that helped his scoring along. So, um, do we target him going forward? Look, I don't. I think it's only a two-three week injury for Berry, but again, quality rooks with a ceiling like Robinson does have. I wouldn't um I wouldn't be bypassing that and his DVP adds the flexibility.
0: Okay, on Devon Robertson, right? He comes in uh, a couple of weeks ago, plays, scores quite well. The game was at Marvel Stadium. Yep. The game is at Marvel Stadium again this week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I've I've got him. He's on my field. I'm planning to play in one field this week. I I make right. no secrets about that. We um we all love. <clears throat> yeah, that second game against the Dogs, it was wet weather, windy conditions, and I think he just struggled to yep. get in the game against a quality opponent. Okay, just one other one to mention there.
0: Obviously, Jimmy Webster is injured for the Saints. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, but, yeah, Tom Highmore is a chance to come in, and he has a very high ownership. Just a quick thought there on Highmore. Yep.
1: Yeah, look, if you obviously don't trade him in, um, and you keep him if he plays. it's It's like the early Christmas present like we had with Paul Hunter. So we both owe rats a couple of bottles of wine. Um, he's He's got his depth in his side that he needs to d- tap into, as most teams will throughout the season. Uh, that's one bottle of wine because I did not start
0: with Tom. <laughs> the wine. Oh, sharp. there you go. You're a smart man. I'm too sharp for you.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. The next, uh, group, of some, uh, next group of players... So premium players is to target. So a few players have dropped in salary. So these are high ceiling player types. So we're going to hit on a group of players that are less than 750K. And that also includes a break even less than 100. So the first one here we're going to mention here is Riley O'Brien, 685K. He's got a break even of 82, slow start of the season. Uh, looks to be screwing quite okay now, 6.85k, Jep. For those who don't want to spend up, what are your thoughts?
1: I just maintain what I've said for a while is just get the set-and-forget rooks in Gorn and Grundy and get on with it. Um, we've got a quality backup in Flynn when he is playing as well. So we should be covered. So, yeah, look, I, I don't think we're mucking around Brian's O'Brien's way to go. Red Crouch, 696k. Does
0: they have a high ceiling? Ludwig, quite last week. Got a break even 98. Jep, what are your thoughts?
1: I'd like Crouch as a pick, as a discounted premium pick. Um, definitely one I'm looking at. And you can bring him in this week against Port Adelaide. I don't think Port Adelaide will pay any attention to him. He knows Adelaide Oval pretty well, and the size of the Oval will suit his um, game a little bit. He'll get a few more marks than he's used to. We've talked previously
0: about defenders having pretty much a flat flat line in with regards to average and salary, jet. Yep. So we're going to hit it on a couple of defenders here. Uh, the first one here is Tom Stewart. He's uh, 709K. he got a break-even of 85. Uh, he, was, he did pop in for a pretty decent score last week. It looked like he was going to go for 130, 140, but, yeah, just still hit that mid... I bet 114, I think, somewhere thereabout. So uh, is he one player to target as a premium option in defence?
1: I'd probably challenge uh, Tom Stewart in a sense where is he still a top six defender with all these DPP changes? Um, he, he's around the mark for sure, and I think he'll do very, very well against the Eagles who, who zone off and he'll get plenty of mark kicks. But long term, I don't feel like he's a consistent scorer. So there will be other opportunities to bring them in during the season.
0: Okay, the other defender here, and again, I mentioned that what we talked about last year, defenders can flatline average and they can flatline in that salary. So it's not you're not going to get the wild swings of a depressed salary where you can target, and then just going to, you know, jump on a rocket ship and hit the moon and you know yep. increase in 150, 200k in a few weeks. So the other one here is Sam Doherty. 712. I was banging on last year that the Blues had changed into a forward half game game-type style, and I did see a bit of a depression in Doherty's output last year. But he's still getting it done this year. And
1: 712K, break over 93. What are your thoughts, Chip? Yeah, look, I, I I think Doherty's race is done. I don't see him as a top-six defender, um, the way Carlton are playing, like you said. And I just... Yeah, the injury risk, I think there's better picks. Um... You know, I'd go with Mills, who's probably, well, not probably, he's a full-time mid, and Jack Crisp and even Jaden Short, where he gets a bit more marked kick game. So there are better options than Doherty. Although Doherty has started the season well, where is he going to be at? At the buy rounds? Does he need a rest as that type of player? Do Carlton really push the barriers with him? I would like to think not, but who knows? So the interesting thing here, and
0: talk a little bit of footy here, is that, David Teague really hasn't changed his game plan that much this year. He still wants to be a forward half team. The one thing that we did see a couple of weeks ago was that Zach Fisher and Jack Martin went out of the team and they are pretty elite in pressure acts. So that ball has been pumping straight outside of forward 50s as fast as it's coming in. Now, the Blues have had a a pretty good inside 50 differential uh, after their debacle in round one against Richmond. But, you know, those injuries for... uh, So Eddie Betts doesn't really apply the pressure. And that ball is just going straight outside, forward 50. So does Teague need to really change it and slow the ball down? Because, man, they're getting crushed at the moment. And until Martin and uh, Fisher come back into that team, and I'd be putting Murphy into that midfield, man, they're getting um, pretty much smashed in certain situations in that midfield. So, you know, he's pretty much wasted at half forward you know, Carlton people are banging on that players are being played out of position, so that, that, that's just one play that I would say i would just instantly put back in there. Now, does T need to slow the game plan down, which actually does play into Doherty's favour? What are your thoughts, to?
1: Yeah, it's it's probably a natural play that will happen, like you said earlier, with wet-weather footy and, and just... Um, or a more contested brand of footy. It's just going to generally slow the game down. So I think, he, in a sense, but... Look, Teague seems pretty certain his ways. He, pretty stubborn. He, I, yeah, he's like a Clarkson or a Ross Lyon or a, who's another stubborn coach? He, there's plenty. Of, uh, Ken Hinckley is probably the most stubborn. All, um, of, them, all of them are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, look, I, I, yeah, I just I just don't like the Doherty pick as well as he started this season. I just don't like it. I think you're right. I think he, he has the chance if they do come to tweak the game plan to get more of it in the short term. But I think long term and predominantly the first real speed hump challenge in the long term planning is what's going to happen at the buy rounds. Is he going to be around? Um, and, you know, I can't hold my hand on my heart and say, yeah, is playing through the buy rounds because he's fresh as a daisy. Okay. Out of the two, Stuart Doherty, who are you taking? I'm taking
0: Stuart. On to the next one, uh, former Collingwood player, uh, that is destroying me at the moment because he's not there anymore. Anyway, it's Adam Trulaw, Bulldogs, did have an injury interrupted pre-season. Uh, started on the outside early in the year, seen some centre-bound usage, it was a little bit lighter on the weekend, but again, the, the Bulldogs did smash Gold Coast, so he did see a reduction in centre-bound usage, but that's not an issue. Uh, still unique, I would suggest. 730k, break even 87. Is he a target for a new unique option? And he does have a ceiling, which we know, but how many people can hit 130 uh, points in that Bulldogs tangent?
1: Well, he's a discounted premium, we're, we're talking about, isn't he? Um, 730k, 6% ownership, uh, 106, 127, and 104 on his last three. It's just. Crazy numbers, the way the Bulldogs are up and about and their, their style of play with their high-possession footy. Hunter going on a half-forward flank, predominantly is, has aided Treloar's, um scores. You know, if I were to guess how the team would s- sort of suit and fit, I would have thought Trelaw was more inclined to the half-forward flank, but it hasn't panned out that way. Um, and he's kicking lots of goals in those scores as well, which does help. Uh, the only stat line that... He typically doesn't hit, but he did hit it in the wet-weather game against Brisbane, was tackles. So he had 10 tackles against Brisbane. So in that, I think he's, he's a pretty consistent player that's hitting all stat lines and a proven premium that comes very cheap. And he
0: is on a re- revenge narrative like no other player that I've seen. Man, he just wants to just smash it this year. So he does have injury history, but yeah, man, he's, he is on an absolute mission. Uh, the next player uh, in defence for the Kangaroos, for those uh, people that did watch that Geelong North Melbourne game late in round five, it got to ridiculous levels, the amount of ball Jack Siebel was getting. He's still at 735k. He's got a break even of 67. If he pops in for another 120 this week, he just, price is just going to jump on a rocket ship and go to the moon. Jack Siebel, thoughts, Jeb?
1: Yeah, um, it's not it, – well, look, it's kind of a surprise, but how how would you be starting Zeeble and, and Taylor uh, – uh, oh, God, Taylor Walker, sorry, if, uh, to start the year too that you'd probably head scratch at, but a change in role for Zeeble and fresh legs for Taylor Walker has um, worked wonders. So Zeeble, yeah, if that game plan keeps going and, you know, McDonald was going to threaten and he got injured in the first two minutes of his return. So I actually waited to see how the dynamics of Zeeble and Luke McDonald would play out, um, which which wasn't much in the end. So, you know, I've heard um, Noble say that he'd like the thought of were going to halfback, much like the Luke Hodge experiment when he was at Brisbane, um, just having that cool head. Um, that makes good decisions. Um, and he's a beautiful kid. So... I think he had 31 kicks on the weekend. 13 were play on from the, from the yeah, um... which was ridiculous because he, yeah. he just one
0: step out and he knew it was a kick.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just it, it's getting a bit obscure. So, um, you know Jordan Ridley's the other one that loves to. He pretty much takes every kick in first and so, yeah. Look, I don't. The only thing with Zeeble, the only grave part about him, the negative, is his age and and his injury history. Does he play 22 games? I don't think he does, but I don't think you let that deter you right now at this point of the game. Again, discounted premiums is this point of the game, and he's a discounted premium if you didn't jump on as a mid-pricer. Yeah, I'm pretty much going to hit the button here. I think he's a smash play, uh,
0: 67 break even. Uh, if, again, it's the Kangaroos are going to be uh, that They're going to be well defeated in most games this year. So they're going to see a lot of inside 50s against, a lot of scores. So uh, he's going to see a lot of kick-ins. Uh, the other one they allowed there was disappointing for, for those that did target him was Aaron Hall because he did slot into halfback to start that game. But that's another story. But, yeah, Jack Siebel, smash play for me. Okay, the next one. Uh, he's starting to hit those ceiling games at semi Walsh. He's 744k, Jeb. So he hasn't increased too much, but he's got break even at 92. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, look, I've had him since round one. Pretty happy with his output. He's been relatively consistent. You know, he hasn't been too bad. So, yeah. Um, and the role's still there. Yep. He's got way more inside mid-role this year than he ever has. So he's one of the fitter players in the AFL that can sustain um, the adjustment to the 20-minute quarters. And again, I don't think we've seen the full effects of that yet. Nope. Um, and it's it's really where – this is where I get scared about Zeeble, although he's not running much outside the defensive 50. But um, these longer games and – how, how those hammies hold up um, is, is still yet to be seen. So we've already had a fair share of injuries, um, God forbid, amongst the AFL ranks and all players. But um, the older players really need rests to um, to freshen up from these 20-minute games. So I think Walsh is a really good pick in a sense where he's fit enough, the gut runner that can run all day and doesn't really need a rest, and he can just keep going and going like the Energizer Bunny. Okay, the next one
0: in this group is Lockie Neal. Uh, started in the 900s in in salary, down to 747k. He's got a break-even of 86. Um, if he's not on your radar, he should be. Uh, he started to train fully now. Did have some back issues early in the season. Uh, but he will be a target for a tag, so just keep that in mind. But he has a monster ceiling, as we did see in Round 5. What are your thoughts there, Jeff, on Lockie Neal?
1: So it's it's when you pull the trigger, and I I come back to your comment earlier about the way the football would trend to more of a contested game as we get towards the season. Now the contested game suits Lockyer to a T. We know that the gut run game doesn't. So we started the first three rounds, four rounds with a high pace football game, uh, and yes, although Neil was underdone and under an injury cloud, he did still adjust to the tempo of the game and it didn't suit his style of play. But then you get the torrential rain in Brisbane that they had on Saturday night. And um, although only I had four tackles, he just got a lot of the ball and then kicked up, kicked his two goals. So, yeah, it's it's a matter of when for Lockie Neal. It's not if, it's a matter of when. So Carlton at Marvel... Does um I go to him, maybe? Does that deter you? Probably not. He'd probably still bank out 100-plus. So. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking more at the Port Adelaide game. Then he's got Fremantle on Gold Coast and Richmond. So um, it's a wait-and-see for me, but I, I would give my blessing to any coach I wanted to bring him in this week. So he's dropped 188k in salary, so that's a pretty decent mm.
0: discount if you want to target him this week. Okay, just we're going to do an eight-pack from listeners here. Thank you for those replies. and uh, It's time to play uh, like or dislike, Jep.
1: Just one line from each and like or dislike. Uh, Lockie show. Yeah, like. He, um, he gets a lot of it and, he's, and they're giving it to him. There's more. The teammates are looking f- to give him the ball at every opportunity.
0: Yeah, like him, is everywhere. He's moving back at the fence, getting the ball out in the wing, moving it forward. He's that player that's in that link chain. Love him. Uh, next one, Callum Sinclair. Like or dislike?
1: No, I dislike. I think... Um... You know, yes, Hickey's injured, but um, his second string recommend at Sydney for a reason. Massive dislike here. I uh,
0: watched John Longmire's press conference yesterday, and he wasn't even uh, committal to Callum Sinclair playing. So he was asked a specific question, does that mean Callum Sinclair now and for a long run in the team? And he didn't even answer yes. So for me, massive dislike and a red flag there. So the next one here, Nat 5. Uh, what are your thoughts on that 5, like or dislike?
1: Yeah, like... Forward status now, um, definitely like he, he's still a prolific player for, for Fremantle, important amongst, um, you know, midfield and forward. Yeah, back into the midfield now, uh, Cherry
0: out for uh, two to four weeks at this stage, I think it's about four weeks, maybe three weeks, uh, he's got Cinder Motors slow raid, but you would expect five over the next few weeks to see high midfield usage, uh, with Rory Log back into that team as well It's not much uh, emphasis on five going forward, even though he did spend times forward in that game last week. Dockers were good, Jep. Uh, so for me and that five, uh, pretty big like there for me in the short term. A longer term with a full unit. The Dockers, we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I think you can post a pretty good average there. Next one on on the shelf here, Jep, is Tom Mitchell. Uh, we know he has high midfield usage. We know he's scoring fantasy history. It's a high ceiling player, like or dislike.
1: No, I like him. I think he's um, he's a solid pick. You, you know what you're going to get from Tom Mitchell and um, he'll play pretty well this week in Tasmania and over what he plays well at.
0: Okay, is he going to be a popular pick and do we need to sort of maybe think about ownership here?
1: Yeah, and look, uh, spot on. So um, he he's the, the safe pick, isn't he? So do we think outside the square? Do we go... Um, Look, I think Lockie Neal is also a safe pick for a lot of coaches at this point. So, do we think outside the square and go the Zebels, or um, or even, oh, Nat Fife? I don't think too many will pick up this week. So, yeah, that's very much one to to think about if you're trying to jump rank and and get a a variance.
0: Now, he did have an injury interrupted at pre-season, coming back from a shoulder reconstruction, so that might be something to factor into your decision making. On to the next one,
1: like this, dislike, Jep, Dyson, Heppel. No, dislike. I think um, he's not a top six defender. I think there are better options than Hepp, and um, especially with his injury history and a bit of soft tissue now, I think you're just playing with mid-prices that you don't need to play with, so remain discipline.
0: Yeah, I don't mind Heppel. Um, Still probably a like for me. Bomber's going to see a lot of ball in defence, yeah, but we want to start to really narrow our focus on premium players that can get it done week in, week out. I still think he can average quite well. It's a like for me, uh, so if you're struggling for anything, uh, he's a target, yeah, really narrow your focus in on premium players would be my preference, and that's why it's a no, but I still like him. Okay, on to the next one. Tom Phillips has started to see... Some low score games. What are your thoughts on Phillips Chip?
1: Yes, uh, killing owners, including myself. Um, very frustrating, depending on when everyone's at. So I think, um, look, he bounces back this week for sure. You would, you would well, when I say bounce back, he should push 90 plus. Um, but yeah, he really can be offloaded soon. It's one of those things where you could offload him. He gets 120, especially if, say, like an Amira goes down with injury or someone like that goes injury and he gets a bit more midfield, inside midfield time. He can really just jump up the ladder run, especially with Warple tagging. Um, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one. I thought Phillips would be a lot better this year. So dislike and um, look to offload, but not a high priority to offload. Yep, I agree with that. Um, I'll sit on
0: the fence here. I think he can bounce back. Yeah, I'm not too sure about these low scores helping anyone out, that's for sure. Okay, next one, a little bit of controversy uh, from fantasy coaches. It's Josh Kelly. Uh, we've seen him moved out of an inside midfield role. Uh, Phil Davis, again today, he actually referenced uh, how Kelly has moved into an important part of that link movement going forward and he has played centre forward, which means, uh, and Phil Davis referenced that. You know, it's easy to get a kick uh, from midfield across half-back, but he's going a little bit forward. So he's that deliver player inside 50, which is quite important for forwards. So his elite foot skills become quite important. Uh, But that has impacted his fantasy scoring. So um, he's not a high-ceiling player, I would suspect, with his current role. But, yeah, I reference Lockie Whitfield, and just on Lockie Whitfield, um, he's a chance to be on the radar to return very soon, so just keep an eye out for that, so it would be interesting to see how Lockie Whitfield comes back into that team, adds a little bit of quality there, how that impacts Josh Kelly and where he moves, if he, if he moves at all, so your thoughts, just a quick one-liner there, Jeff like or dislike?
1: No, I dislike I, um, I think it's not playing out to the way um, fantasy coaches need, so dislike Onto the final one here. Uh, Jack
0: Crisp, uh, seeing a bit of midfield usage there for the Maypies. Uh, what are your thoughts long term? Obviously, Taylor Adams sideline with injury. Um, still sideboard and re- not really getting it done. Braden uh, Sire not really getting it done inside midfield. Uh, your thoughts on Jack Crisp,
1: Jeff? Yeah, I actually noticed he turned it over a bit. Um, yeah, he does. Again, being, yep. yeah, being at the game, he's actually not a dead eye, as dead eye as I thought he was. So, but bigger body in Collingwood are a bit limited of options, aren't they? Mm. Um, so he's getting the role. It's... He does... He's feels like a bit of a Mr. Fix-It. So it can be volatile in his role from week to week. So, yeah. Look, even especially with Jeremy Howe going down, does Maynard play the more lock, lockish-down role and, and Cripps go back to a half-back? Um, th- that's a potential to happen. And... Um, but it just seems like he's he's needed around the ball. Um, so yeah, look, yeah, probably a riskier pick, and and with the DPP changes, you could probably cash in on a more sure pick for mind. Yeah,
0: I I like Crisp, but I'm going to say dislike in this situation, and that's again I'll revert back to we really need to narrow our focus on premium players. Uh, there's we're at round six heading into round six this week, so there's no more mucking around. Be very disciplined, as what you said, Jep. and just yeah narrow in your focus on premium trades only, and that's for the remainder of the year. All right. Final thoughts heading into round six, Jep.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's remaining disciplined. Um, checking out the the team sheets, and we still got Sunday games where you know player selection is pretty important. I don't think too many. Uh, well, I think a lot of hoping just Bergman's going to be an auto pick for this round. I don't think that's the case. So, yeah, keep on top of it. Follow Pete's news because damn sure when I wake up in the morning, he's always two hours ahead of me and I, I look what's, uh, what I've missed while I've been on in, in my dreams. So, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a challenging week and a couple of weeks as well. I don't think we're over the carnage yet.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Make sure you keep a strong bench and, and again, FOMO. Um, ignore it and invest in the long-term future of your team. Well, Jep, don't forget, for listeners, there's an extra podcast this season that's on Monday nights. It's a solo podcast. I'll go through a a review of the previous round. Uh, It is designed to provide some extra information in order for you to take your game to the next level. Uh, That podcast, again, drops Monday night, and this podcast generally drops late Tuesday nights with Jep and I talking about AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. All right, Jeff. That's it for episode 77. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.